This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. It is a Sunday morning. It is a two out of three man show today. It will be I and Joe Fish with you from 9 till 11 as he's getting himself pumped up. Yeah. Listening to primetime music. Let's go. I miss NFL primetime. I know it still exists, but I miss the original NFL primetime a lot. It's on, uh, what, ESPN Plus, I believe? Yep. And uh, the clips that I've seen, Chris Berman still has it. He still does the rumbling, bumbling, stumbling, whoop, whoop. Yeah, he does all that stuff still, and he has creative nicknames, but... uh, I'm not watching 90,000-year-old Chris Berman do it anymore. <laughs> I just, uh, I always enjoyed as a kid, I would I would be watching football, and I'd be going up, I think this was, it was Sunday night, obviously. It must have been when I was younger, and I had like an earlier bedtime. I'd go upstairs, and I had a little TV in front of my bed, and I would watch NFL primetime with uh, Chris Berman and Tom Jackson, because we didn't have Red Zone. We just watched one game, or two games. And then how the hell else am I supposed to know what's going on? So I'd watch uh, primetime, and you, it was a lot of fun. You would call your sports, uh, what is it, sports box score phone number that you talked about. Yes. <laughs> Did you never use that? No. I remember you brought it up, and I was like, it was, that, that was a thing? I think it was called sports line, and you would just call it, and it would just be like, for NBA, press one. For <laughs> NFL, press two. Habla Espanol, press three. <laughs> I don't know if it had Habla Espanol. <laughs> This was in uh, less accepting times, but um, <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, and it was like big sports voice guy. And it was just like, it would go through this, the, the games. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen pre-internet NFL primetime on ESPN plus. Cause I have ESPN plus. And so Sundays after, usually after Sunday night football, you know, I'm seeing what else to watch and I pop on there. I'm like, Oh, I, I could watch that. And then I never do. Yeah. Did you used to watch it when you were a kid? Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think it was just better when they had uh, Tom Jackson on there, too. And now it's Booger. This is good. Oh, is Booger on there? Yeah. Oh. This is going to sound 80 million years old of me. And it is. Um, I still have cable. And part of the reason why I still have cable is because the idea of cutting the cord frightens me a little bit. And, like, I have ESPN Plus because I use it for the articles. And I actually got... Because I had ESPN Insider for so long, I had it for like 10 years. When ESPN Plus came out, they were like, here, just have it for cheaper. Because <laughs> like ESPN Plus is per month. And I think I get it just like a one-year symbol flat rate that's pretty low just because that's what I used to do for ESPN Insider. I don't I don't know. Like I, I don't want to watch stuff on my computer or my phone. Like I just want to put the TV on and, and watch the cable box. <laughs> so like I'm old in that sense where 
I, uh, you know, I, I use the apps on it. Like I'll watch Hulu or Netflix or YouTube or whatever that's on the cable box. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I, the idea of putting on ESPN plus for anything is strange to me. Well, and I've heard Sue talk about this is that there is some sort of fun in just channel surfing, going through the guide, seeing what's on. And then you're scrolling, you're scrolling like, Ooh, tombstone is on AMC. Let's pop that on for the next hour and a half and see what's going on there. And so I, I do get that aspect of it, but I've seen my dad's cable bill because I use his uh, Comcast mm. login oh, for it's like high. other things, you mm. know? My God, that guy, he needs to sit down and crunch some numbers because cable, and of course, you need a landline nowadays too, of course. Well, uh, technically, I have a landline because you get better deals if you do their three-way <laughs> that deals. kills me. Just take, I mean, just, just take the landline, please. Well, I don't have one. I just it, There's a number connected to my cable box, but that's it. Every once in a while, a little thing will pop up like, you're getting a call. No, we I'm don't not. have a phone. I, there's no phone connected here. <laughs> you can try. Yeah, that's the that's that's the one thing that I'm really, really, really old about. I don't know why. I don't know why I'm so hesitant because the cable bill is expensive. It is. The the internet and the cable, and I get the red zone and I get the sports packages and I have HBO and all that kind of stuff. It's it's high. Um I very much just like the convenience of it, but I think as I say this to myself, I wonder. If I were to choose a streaming service, just how convenient it would also be. The only problem is, is I would need like to know that my TV could run it. And, you know, if I had the like YouTube TV or whatever, I would need to, I have a pretty old TV. So I don't know if it would have the ability to run that through it. Well, Mike, you come and see me. I'll show you some TVs. I got some good deals especially uh, yes. this time of year. You know, I can uh, yes. I can work a deal with you. I got some wiggle room on some of these. So, Joe, you know. Joe, Joe Fish sales pitching because he has to go to work in two hours. Hey, it's that time of year, man, and some of the best deals I've seen all year. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, on the show today, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. We really, really do. Just a bit. I'm I'm going to make the executive decision, and I'm going to put Blazers in our segments today because we've had nothing but news the last few days for the Blazers who have rebuilt the depth on the team basically completely from the ground up the last two days. And Blazer fans are very, very excited about it, so let's talk about that. We'll start with that. We obviously have two wins, one from the Ducks, one from the Beavs, uh, one was uh, way m- more positive of a game than the other, as Oregon fans were puckering, as UCLA was really giving it to them. The, and then Oregon State got a good win against Cal. We got Hater Lovett coming up at 1030. We'll talk some NFL in the second hour. And we have Fantasy Scramble at 930. Jesse Osmond will join us. So if you have any fantasy football start sick questions, please text them to 503-250-1080, and we will get to them, as uh, many as we can in the 9.30 segment. 503 is the text line for any text if you'd like to text us throughout the show. And then you can find us on social media. I'm at MikeLynch27. Joe's at JoeFish3, F-I-S-C-H. Rashad, who's out today, is at TaylorMade503. And the station is at 1080, the fan. I'm wondering if I should even attempt to take Rashad's place on the fantasy scramble because this is the first year I have not done fantasy football, which to an extent feels somewhat liberating. I don't have that extra stress on my life. Checking rosters and swapping players out. Oh, dude, I hate fantasy football this year. It's been brutal. (laughs) Because your team sucks or just because of everything with, like, COVID? Uh, I've had... I feel like that that has been most stressful is that, all right, everything's going good, and half my team is now in quarantine. I don't even know if they're going to be able to play. That has been less stressful than you'd think because most of the NFL players who are going into quarantine are getting out before the games, (laughs) if you've paid much attention to it. That is true, yeah. Um, It's just been, I had a bad draft, and I've had a bajillion injuries. The injuries have been up this year because of the no preseason and the the less practice and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, my team is dead. It's dead. It's dead. I'm starting two running backs this week who are projected to get six and seven points. Damn. Because I have five running backs who and are And one hurt. of them's uh, your quarterback. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I have Philip Lindsay, and I, I added Gus Edwards from the Ravens this week, hoping he gets a touchdown because he's their goal line guy. Hey, yes, that's you right there. You know, I I have so many injured matters. running backs. It is insane. Like uh, my bench. Gus Edwards, my God. My Exactly. Well, that, that was the only good guy available. He's solid, in my but I mean, the fact that you got to start him is. Yeah. Oof. 
I, I have three or four starting running backs hurt on my bench right now and in my IR. So <laughs> See, this my is, season's going well. This 2020 has been stressful enough. And this, you know, putting myself in your shoes, I just don't think I need that added stress right now. You know, I have gray hairs already at the age of 28. I don't need any more, which, you know, in this time, that's not how that's going to I'm going to be getting more, but I don't need to uh, accelerate that process. Anything. Yeah, uh, I it's it's funny. We'll get to the Blazers next segment because we're up against it anyway. Um, I am very, very torn every offseason because I love fantasy football. It is so much fun. Uh, it's good camaraderie with friends. Like I'm in the same league I've been in with Syracuse friends for 10 years now. And we got a group chat that goes with it. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, and I've won the league before, and I tend to do fairly well. You know, I'm I'm always in the in the playoff hunt. I'm not one of the best teams in the league, but I'm I'm a solid you know above average team. But the seasons are stressful, and it, as the off season hits, I just sit there and I go, Do I want this? <laughs> and for a couple of months, I sit there and I I kind of contemplate whether or not I want to bail on the league. And then, of course, as football season comes near and I get excited about the sport coming back and my friends are all talking again, it's like, oh, of course I want to be in this. And, you know, the chance to make money is nice because, uh, you know, we got a little, little buy-in and we got some payout structures and all that kind of stuff. I'm not going to be making any money this year, that's for sure. And <laughs> It's the first year the <laughs> the fee went up a lot. So, How many leagues Woo! are you doing this year? I'm in two. You're in two? What's, two. The, what's the most you've ever done? Three. Three? I made the mistake of doing like five one year. Yeah, I've never – I yeah. You got to pay attention. It's too many leagues to pay attention to if you're in five. I mean, I feel like an actual GM sometimes, you know, wake up in the morning, open up the roster, start making moves. I got five different tabs open and. I mean, it is a good time, but man, that you get confused between what who's on what team. <laughs> Wait, I started him in this league. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, no, they're never doing that again. So. Also, when you have that many leagues, you can't root for one player because you're probably facing him in another league. <laughs> right? Yes. Wait, oh, DeAndre damn, Hopkins no. touchdown! Damn it, DeAndre Hopkins touchdown! Very true. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So my league, my year's not going very well in that league, but you know, it is what it is. All right, let's break. 503-250-1080 is the text line. We'll start with the Blazers because their offseason has been busy, interesting, and exciting at, a, at, a, at an above-average level. Not super exciting because you haven't had a huge player come in, but uh, it's been good. And I think Blazer fans, at least on Blazers Twitter, I've seen seem quite thrilled, and so do the media, about the Blazers offseason. So we'll get to that next. This is football and a little basketball Sunday on 1080 The Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 917 here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Joe with you. Rashad back next week, although I'm going to be out next week. So it'll be another uh, two-person show with Rashad and Joe on uh, after Thanksgiving food is consumed. Hopefully safely. All of you out there, wink, wink. Um, I want to talk a little basketball here before we get to our fantasy scramble. And then we'll get to Ducks and Beavs and football. Actually, you know, if the Blazers segment keeps going, we'll push that to 945 as well. This is the biggest story of the weekend in the, in the city right now and in, in the state is, is the Blazers have had a very busy start to the NBA offseason. And they have completely remade their depth chart to be more versatile, to be better defensively, to be more athletic. What was the one big problem this team had last year well they had many but what was the one big problem defense they were terrible on defense and when players got hurt which they did you didn't have a lot of good depth options to fill it you thought you did um, but uh, the Anthony Tolliver's and the Mario Hazonia's and the Kent Bazemore's and hell even the Hassan Whitesides of the world just didn't really cut it I remember last offseason being pretty happy with the offseason, thinking that Neil O'Shea made some good moves, some heady moves. I I was fooled on Hassan Whiteside, to be honest with you. I knew Heat fans hated him, but I saw the potential and was hopeful, and I was fooled on him. Uh, don't give me the, oh, well, his stats were good BS. Yeah, he was terrible. He was not good on the, on the court. He was off and on in terms of how much he cared. Uh, he was a good personality. He was good in the locker room, but beyond that, good riddance to Hassan Whiteside, although technically he's – I don't think he's on the team right now, but he's a – you know. All the depth charts keep putting him there for some reason. Maybe there's a sign-in trade opportunity or something there with him. So, so far, the Blazers have re-signed Carmelo Anthony. 
Dude, that's what I'm talking about. One year vet minimum deal. Mello apparently wanted to show loyalty for the Blazers for being the team that gave him the shot. Um, I don't know if that means that Mello wasn't getting as much interest from elsewhere around the league or if he really just chose to play in Portland because in the report, it says that it was from Shams. It says Mello understands what his role will be. Mello's not starting, right? If, as long as everyone's healthy, he's not starting unless they start him and then pull him after five minutes just to give him the ha you started Mello. Well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, just because someone is a starter doesn't mean they have to pay play 30 minutes. A game, uh, Jake so. Lehman looking right at you. He started for a couple of, <laughs> a couple of weeks, exactly, a couple of seasons so. ago or even more than that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's true, but he's not going to get starters minutes and he has to apparently, according to Shams, he has accepted that. So I think that's pretty cool. I was very happy about that as a Syracuse fan and as a Carmelo fan. I I thought that was fantastic to bring him back, especially when all of the talk was, yeah, Melo's not coming back. There's no chance Melo's coming back. He's going to go to New York. He's going to go play with LeBron. He's going to go get, try to get a title. Um, No, he's back with Portland. And I think that's great on a couple of levels. One is it gives you a good clutch three-point shooter. As you saw in the bubble last year, he had a ton of great threes for the Blazers and it gives a threat out there, and it gives Terry Stotts options, which we'll get to in a bit here. He's got a ton of options now to work with with players and, and positions and mis- mixing and matching guys on the court, depending on the situation of the game. You've got guys who can shoot. You've got guys who are great defenders. You can kind of just put guys in when you need them, and I think Melo will be a guy, if you need shots late, he will be in the game because he can hit them. 100%. Yeah, I, I, love, I just love the optics of Carmelo Anthony in a Blazers jersey hitting threes, three to the dome. Like that was one of my favorite parts of last season seeing that. And once he's, you know, retired, you can bet I'm getting myself a Carmelo Anthony double zero Blazers. <laughs> just, he, it is just so great to watch. He's also apparently been revered and beloved in the locker room by both players in the media. Jason quick was talking effusively about him on Twitter last night. And if, if he helps the clubhouse, the clubhouse, that's baseball. If he helps the locker room culture, that's just even better. Right. I mean, it's already a great culture, but if he helps and he's the vet and he's in there and he's he's mentoring some of the younger kids, then that's huge. That that's another another voice to a locker room that has a very, very commanding, powerful one in Damian Lillard and also one in CJ McCollum that uh, that players will listen to and in some ways attract players to play here more. So very, very positive resigning for the Blazers. They also resigned Rodney Hood. Two years, 21 mil. It seems like a lot of money, uh, but the second year is non-guaranteed and they're using bird rights to do it. So it actually didn't really affect any of their offseason plans at all. Uh, after they resigned him, they still had the trade exception. They still had the mid-level exception. They still had the biannual. Um, they still had whatever other money left. It didn't affect that at all. So basically Rodney Hood's back on a one-year deal. It's going to be a prove-it deal because coming back off of an Achilles tear is tough. It's tough to do. We've seen players struggle with it, but... Uh, and we've seen them kind of go down a scooch in terms of their skill level. Wes Matthews, I'm looking at you. He's still a good, effective player. By the way, he's going to the Lakers. Um, but he was he he has not been exactly the same since he tore his Achilles. But Rodney Hood was shooting 50% from three before he got hurt last year. He was unconscious, and he's a good defender. And I was just happy to see him brought back. There was all the talks that he was coming back. It was almost a foregone conclusion, but still good to see. Because well, I think he fits the team very well. And just to see where he was at in Cleveland playing under LeBron, like his play had completely diminished going from Utah to Cleveland mm-hmm. and totally regenerized his career here in Portland. Good, as you can say, hit the three, can play defense as well, which is good. Um, so, yeah, we'll have to see what he's like coming off that injury because the Achilles, that's always tough. So I'd say it's maybe even you probably have – more examples of guys struggling to come back from that injury than like a torn ACL. Yeah, I think that's a really, really, really hard one, especially in a game like basketball where you're cutting and jumping and stopping and starting as much as you are. Um, I mean, hell, you saw Durant, right? We'll see how Durant comes back from it. And he heard it because he came back too soon from his calf injury and it was weak and it it tore his Achilles. Uh, Rodney Hood is another member of the late in game need shots lineup. Um, Think think playoffs in, in this scenario. So, Look, the way the Blazers have built the team, I mean, they were a playoff team anyway. They're going to be in the playoffs. But they've always struggled in the playoffs with finding trustworthy shooters so that the other team doesn't double or triple Dame and CJ. It happens every year. <clears throat> Alpha Camino. Every single year. I Maurice mean, it's literally everybody, right? Um, imagine the lineup of Dame, CJ, Hood, Mello, 
Nurk or, you know, if Nurk's fouled out, whoever, right? Cantor, which we'll get to in a second. You've got four legitimate shooters. So you can't just double Dame. And if you do, Dame can trust, as you saw in the bubble, uh, throwing it to Melo and he can hit a shot. And, of course, you can trust, we assume, Rodney Hood because he was shooting lights out to start last season before he got hurt. Even if he's well regresses back to his career averages, I mean, 38% or whatever it is for him, still very good from three-point range. That is a lineup you can use if you need it, and I think that's very exciting. It's not like you're being forced in that situation to put Aminu and Harkless out there and pray that they hit the shot is you have guys that you can trust to hit that shot. The other, uh, they made two other signings and we'll get to the trades. Derek Jones jr. Signed on a two year, $19 million deal using the mid-level exception uh, from the heat. He's 23 years old. That's the dunk contest guy. If you don't know who that is, uh, he's an incredible dunker. He's got hops for days. He's also very long and a good defender. And, you kind of get the idea of what Neil O'Shea was doing this offseason of just getting better defensively on the wings. A lot of people have been joking about the, oh, well, now the Blazers need to get someone to guard Anthony Davis because he torched them in the first round against the Lakers last year. Nobody can guard Anthony Davis. Uh, it's it's almost impossible. He's a, he's a unicorn out there. Not even in an NBA 2K. I've been struggling. <laughs> uh, it is impossible. He's a unicorn. But to have multiple bodies out there that can bother him, that's good. And it's not just about Anthony Davis. It's about all the good wings in the league that you really haven't for a couple of years since, you know, talk all the crap you want about Aminu and Harkless shooting wise. They were still very good defenders. When the Blazers were at their best, it was when those two guys were playing defense uh, against the top wings in the game. Yeah. It, and it kept it, them in the game. And as far as me making my remarks about them being inconsistent in three pointers, you haven't had this wing defense last the last year. So nope. Having Covington, having Hood, having Derek Jones also bringing him in that that immensely improves that category. I'm a little bit curious about this Derek Jones signing. So I really wanted Jay Crowder with the mid-level exception and the Suns got Jay Crowder three years, 30 mil, which is the extra year, but is also about the same price as the Blazers got Derek Jones for, which was two years, 19 mil. They got a little bit under the 10 mil a year mark. I'm curious as to why they chose Derek Jones over Jay Crowder. Uh, it could be the youth. He's 23. Jay Crowder's much older. Um, but Jay Crowder does a lot of what Derek Jones does in terms of def- defense while also still being a competent three-point shooter, which Derek Jones is not. Derek Jones is not a shooter. Right. He's a slasher. He's a dunker. He plays defense. Um, to my original point, it gives Der- Terry Stotts a lot of options, mixing and matching in the lineups. You know, if you don't need shooters and you need defense, then Derek Jones comes in the game, right? If you're playing a, a, a fast transition game against a small ball team, Derek Jones comes into the game because he can run the floor and he can go for alley-oops and he can play good defense on the bounce and he can go block shots and then that works. Was I alone in watching Derek Jones highlight videos and dunk videos immediately after the Blazers signed him. I didn't do it immediately, but I'm sure you were not alone. <laughs> yeah. That was just, that was the one that I, I really wanted Jay Crowder. I don't know why I, I so was so honed in on him. I just, I loved watching the heat, this bubble and, and, and I really liked Jay Crowder's game. He brings like an intensity and an energy that the Blazers were lacking defensively. Um, granted they did fill that with a guy like Cummington and I think Derek Jones probably has that as well. So it's there. I was just really hoping for that. And, be, and because he went for 10 mil, I went, ah, you could have, you could have figured made it happen. You could have made that happen. I, I just wonder the minutes is where they could have made that happen. Cause if you have Covington and Mello and Rodney hood and Zach Collins, even, I mean, I'm just wondering where you get the minutes for Jay Crowder that he might want or expect because, I mean, he played a lot for Miami. I mean, he played a lot for Boston as well. At least 25 minutes, it seemed like, uh, every night is what he was averaging. So just wondered where he would have fit in the lineup as far as where he's getting his time, minutes, when he's getting those minutes. Is he coming off the bench in the end of the first, second quarter, and a little bit in the third, a little bit in the fourth, and not crunch time, you know, but... Again, that that's just where I see that as Jay Crowder. Where where does he fit in in the scheme of what time he comes into the game? Uh, we got a little bit more obviously to get you with this. They had a, did a couple of trades. We've talked about or we've alluded to Robert Covington. We alluded to Ennis Cantor. 
Uh, we haven't talked about the Harry Giles signing yet from today, so we'll do that at 945, but we have to get to our fantasy scrambled next. Jesse Osmond will be joining us to help you guys, so if you have any fantasy starts to questions, I've seen some coming on the text line already, 503-250-1080. Send them there, and we will get to as many as we can. First, Joe has sports. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. Blah, 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 blah. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finishes terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. All right, we take a quick pause from Blazers Talk. We're just coming back next segment to jump into our fantasy scramble. If you have any starts or questions to fantasy football, text them 503-250-1080, and we will get to them as or as many of them as we can. But we are joined by Jesse Osman, our fantasy insider. It's just me and you today, Jesse. So uh, let's dominate the dojo, okay? Sounds good, brother. All right, so we've got our usual RJP1 in. He goes, need two wide receiver and a flex, non-PPR. A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, D.J. Moore, Marvin Jones, Ronald Jones. And he goes, I have to start Ronald Jones and flex, right? Um, so this is interesting this week. So A.J. AJ Brown was terrible last week. He only had one catch. I still feel like he's a must start because of just how talented he is. So I'm still going to say A.J. Brown and don't get – uh, don't get annoyed by benching him and then losing out on a 20-point game. I'm going to go Cooper Cup on this one as well. DJ Moore without Teddy Bridgewater, plus he hasn't been quite as good the last few weeks. I do think Marvin Jones is a really interesting play this week with Kenny Galladay out. Matt Stafford is playing. He's you know he's dealing with the thumb injury, so that might hurt. But when Galladay is out, uh, Marvin Jones does really, really well. So I, I would also not be upset if you picked him. But, yes, I think you got to start the running back at a non-PPR and in your flex. So go Ronald Jones, especially after how well he played last week. So I'm going to go Brown, Cup, Jones. Now I did have Ronald Jones in my lineup last week, so that was quite exciting. I am fading him this week, um, not expecting, uh, you know, a 20-plus uh, point uh, day out of him. But in a non-PPR format, it is really hard to go away from the running back who well, I've been on the show time and time again, saying this guy is still the first and second down back, you know? Um, and honestly, I, I, I did text you last week after that fumble. Saying, <laughs> oh, maybe, maybe this is the time, but it, you know, Arians finally had the faith and was rewarded. So, um, yeah, I swore they were going to bench him after that fumble. I was like, uh-oh. Uh, well, that's that's Arian's track record. So I was I was like about to – I was thinking I was going to be coming on this week and finally like, yep, he finally lost his job. But I think he once again showed why he is the better back. He is the better back in that backfield, not in the passing game, but as far as an all-around back, he's, he's, the, um, he's the better back. He's going to still be the one to – and um, he, he's still, I think, going to be the goal line guy. And we we've seen um, what what this this team does when they're running the ball. So uh, yeah, go Rojo. I I don't think at all you can fade AJ Brown. Wide receivers have bad weeks, and I know he's going to get ball against Baltimore, but he's just the type of guy that just needs one catch and he does the rest. So. Um, I think there's two right there, and then we need one more or two more. One more between DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, and uh, Marvin Jones. I'm just going to go Marvin Jones with this one. Cooper Cup going against that Tampa defense. And, you know, that they've gone a little bit more reliant on the running game, not as pass-happy since that 60-pass day in Miami that was insane a few few weeks ago. They, they are definitely more into the running game. And I know Cooper Cup's the – the red zone guy, but they've just been running in the red zone. So I, um, Marvin Jones has just been so good when, um, Godwin's been, or, uh, Galladay. excuse me, Galladay has been out. So I've, I'm just going to go with Marvin Jones. I don't mind that pick at all. All right. This is a tough one. Need one receiver, Devonte Parker, Travis Fulgham, or Jamison Crowder. Sorry. You're in this situation. First of all, uh, Devonte Parker is the best receiver of this bunch, but he hasn't proven to have a good, rapport so far with Tua, uh, although he is getting seven targets in the last two games each, which is promising. Um, in terms of your other guys, Fulgham, I loved Fulgham when he first came in, in, in to replace all the injured wide receivers, but after the bye, he only had one catch. Um, 
did have five targets, but also Carson Wentz just had a brutal game last week against the Giants. I do think the Eagles might come back and win against the Browns this week. Uh, so that could also be a good one. I'm, I'm going to kind of write off Jamison Crowder, to be honest with you. No, no one in the Jets offense should be played. So it's between Fulgham and it's between Devontae Parker. Both are getting targets. So I'm going to go with the better offense. And right now that's the Dolphins. The Dolphins are hot. They're on a winning streak. I know they're playing Denver's defense, which can stymie some guys, but they've struggled against the pass so far this year. I'm going to go Devontae Parker. You know, I yeah, Fulgham is definitely like the guy in that, that Philly's pass attack that I still want. I, despite what happened out of the bye last week, that, that entire offense basically was a mess last week and Wentz was a mess and Philadelphia was a mess. And, um, <laughs> They they really just are being saved right now by guys like Miles Sanders and Boston Scott in Philadelphia. And so I do kind of want to avoid that uh, even more so that we've seen these games the last two um, two weeks that they've played in Cleveland with the wind. And once again, wind is going to be an issue here. I think they rely more on the passing or on the running game this week. So I think I'm going to fade him and go Devontae Parker as well. All right. We need uh one receiver here, it's either Marvin Jones or Robbie Anderson in the in a PPR. I'm going to say because Teddy Bridgewater's out, I'm going to go with Marvin Jones, as Jesse did last time. I'm assuming you're going to follow suit there. Yeah, it's just there's just two. Um, it, with with uh, Robbie Anderson being more the underneath route guy this year and DJ Moore being the more vertical guy, kind of making that role reversal from what both of those guys were in their offenses last year. Um, and having an unknown entity at quarterback who is probably going to be a little bit more inclined to run than stick in the pocket. I think I'm going to stay away from that and go Marvin Jones as well. By the way, it is the XFL's PJ Walker who is starting for Carolina today. <laughs> so yeah, he little, was actually really good. In he the was XFL, in the XFL. But this yeah. is another, this is another story here, but I, I mean, he was fun to watch in the XFL. Let's see if he can carry uh, the excitement over into the NFL. Non-PPR need two, Juju, Cooper Cup, and Kalen Balaj. I'm going to instantly say yes to Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, ben Roethlisberger remembered that he had him on his team, and he's getting a boatload of targets the last four weeks, and he's been getting double-digit points the last four weeks. But because it's non-PPR, that obviously does hurt the wide receiver here a little bit. So it makes it a little bit more touchdown dependent. Uh, we talked about this last week on this segment, Cooper cup, not getting into the end zone. Like we've seen him normally. And all of a sudden, Kalen Balazs is the feature back on the chargers against the jets. I'm going to go Balazs and Juju. I can't disagree. The, um, the jets are not the, like best matchup in the world, but they're not bad at all. That's not a fade at all in the way that they're using um, Kalen Balazs. She's going to be a guy that I would expect even in non PPR to get me a minimum of 10 to 12 points. Um, just he's being used in the passing game and in the running game. And he, he's going to amass at least a hundred yards, I would assume. Um, and then I'm going to go with Juju as well. Just take, um, take whatever you can going against that Jacksonville defense and, um, they just don't stop these wide receivers. So I'll buy into Juju again. Tough one here. Trying to hold on to that last playoff spot. PPR wide receiver start three, sit one. Travis Fulgham, Brandon Cooks, CeeDee Lamb, and Amari Cooper. Funny enough, I have two of these guys in my league. Um, this is a tough one. I Like we talked about Travis Fulgham only having one catch last week, but he is just the target monster there, and he is the number one guy. So I think that's a a fair guy to play. Brandon Cooks uh, has actually woken up to be a very important guy for Houston as well. He gets a ton of targets. He's found the end zone three of the last five weeks or three of the last. That's math. Yeah, three of the last five weeks. Uh, basically double digit points. He had a nine in there uh, in most of those weeks as well. So I like Brandon Cooks. Uh, I like Fulgham. And then it's deciding between CeeDee Lamb or Amari Cooper for your last spot. So which... Cowboys receiver, do you trust more? I think that's a total, total toss-up at this point, if I'm being honest with you. I have CeeDee Lamb. Um, Amari Cooper's looked a little bit better consistently with the backup quarterbacks than CeeDee Lamb has. So I'm going to probably say Amari Cooper. So I'll say Fulgham, Cooks, Amari Cooper, and bench CeeDee Lamb. Um, yeah, this this is a tough one just from the aspect. I uh, Part of me wants to go, yeah, go Cooper and Lamb. 
Uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> however, part of me is like that. Obviously, uh, last we saw from Andy Dalton, not necessarily a good idea to invest <laughs> a lot into that that Dallas offense. But part of me is, I mean, a lot of me honestly thinks, you know, this team was so shell shocked from losing Dak. And then instantly, you know, that that just, I think, discombobulated that entire team. And then instantly Dalton basically getting knocked out in that, that second game. Um, they never got their feet under them. And then you saw once that defense started getting healthy last week, they got a couple of the pieces back. It didn't matter that oh, the Garrett Gilbert was the quarterback. They were competent against Pittsburgh. So, I would hope with a veteran quarterback, Andy Dalton, under center, that we're going to see more of that. Um, with that said, um, I'm probably going to go more for the, the target hog and C.D. Lamb than Amari Cooper. Um, I've just seen Amari Cooper disappear too many times in his history, um, and right now C.D. Lamb seems to be the guy that just honestly looks like the best receiver in that in that offense all right um and so then i'm probably going to fade amari cooper and start the other guys all right fulgham cooks and lamb for you fulgham cooks and cooper for me uh ppr tight end hunter henry or jonu smith this one's easy it's hunter henry he gets a lot more targets than smith and smith's only gotten a couple of catches every single week the last few weeks justin herbert likes his tight end so i'm going to go henry on that one yeah um henry's getting the targets he hasn't been I mean, last week they finally hooked up for the touchdown. That's been the elusive part of the game, and he's not getting a lot of the vertical work. It looks a little bit different than it did with Phillip Rivers. It's a little bit more frustrating. Um, at the same time, you got Johnny Smith. He's been very similar in that respect, and you're going against Baltimore. So I think I'm going to go with Hunter Henry. Superflex, Tua, or Taysom Hill. Very interesting decision this week. Uh, a lot of people are going to start Taysom Hill uh, because he's actually, in, at least in ESPN leagues, available in the tight end position. I am starting Taysom Hill at tight end in one of my leagues this week because, uh, or actually at flex, excuse me, in one of my leagues this week because having quarterback points in the flex is just huge. So uh, I would say start Taysom Hill if you can put him in the flex or tight end spot if you do not have a guy who is better than him. Like you have, if you have Travis Kelsey, don't start Taysom Hill, but uh, you can still put him in the flex in that situation. Um, I also like his ability to run it, run it in for a touchdown, which Tua has not necessarily done at the same rate that we're going to see Taysom Hill do when he starts. But Tua is just the better quarterback. I think that's the basis of it. I think there's a lot of exciting things fantasy wise about Taysom Hill. And we're going to get to this in the show later. I do not understand uh, Sean Payton's love with Taysom Hill. I would pick Tua in the super flex. Um, man, I, I, I mean, I, you're right. Tua is the better quarterback. Uh, the problem is, is, Taysom Hill, I think, is going to be a little bit more unleashed because when they use them, they use them in very interesting ways, and they're probably going to use them more like a Lamar Jackson type role. So you have that floor of the the rushing yards. He's, I would not be surprised at all if he runs it in for a touchdown. You know, he's got playmakers who just just get Michael Thomas the ball, and he knows how to do the rest type of situation. It makes it very easy on an average quarterback where in Miami there Brian Flores is doing such a great job. This is the first time we've seen kind of one of those um, <clears throat> disciples come out of new England and actually kind of get it right and look like somebody who came out of that new England system. And one of the things that they're doing is they're doing what Rick Scangarello was doing with Locke last year when Locke looked good. And they are saying, let's be safe. Let's let our offense play it safe. We'll run the ball, spread the ball around. That's why you're only seeing seven targets to guys like Devontae Parker. We're going to run the ball. We're going to spread the ball around. We're not going to do a lot of vertical passing work. So I think he has a very safe floor because he's not going to turn over the ball and he's going to get yourself 250 yards and a touchdown or two. And so he has a safe floor, but I don't think he has the same feeling as Taysom Hill. So I'm going to go with Taysom Hill. Pick one at flex. We only got a couple more, Jesse. So let's go a little faster here. Uh, Dallas Goddard, Damian Harris, or Salvin Ahmed. Uh, I'm going to go with Damian Harris in this one. He's been a really big bell cow for the Patriots. I know Goddard takes a lot. When Zach Ertz comes back, which I believe Ertz is healthy this week, Goddard looks a lot better for the Eagles, but I'm not taking him over a running back. Ahmed's look good, but I'm a little worried about him losing some carries this week as well to Gaskin. Um, Oh, sorry, to Brita. So I'm going to go Damian Harris, who's just been 
amazing for the Pats this year. Completely underrated. It is my frustration with Harris because he's he's very good. Uh, he's he's very very good. Just to think that he and Josh Jacobs shared a backfield is insane. But uh, my my concern with him is you have a guy at quarterback who loves to steal all the work in the red zone and at the goal line makes it very hard for Harris to you know squeeze it in for those easy six points. Um, at the same time, I, I mean, man. I don't think Breed is going to take much work away. I'm going to be honest. I think this is going to look a lot like Gaskin again. And so it, I think it does make it hard because I think you probably have a more pro- – this is very hard. I, I would probably go Harris as well. I'm really leaning towards Ahmed, though. Okay, uh, two more. Need one running back, PPR, J.D. McKissick, Damian Harris, or Duke Johnson. This one's easy. McKissick catches like 10 passes a game, and Alex Smith is the dump-down dump down king. So I'm going to go McKissick in the PPR league. Yeah, PPR McKissick. Non-PPR, Cup over Mike Evans? Um, probably. Uh, I know that the, the PPR changes this a little bit, but I just – the Bucks receivers, man, <laughs> they're so frustrating. So I'm going to go Cooper Cup. Man, this is non PPR. I man, it's it's tough, man, because Mike Evans has looked a lot better the last three weeks, and it looks like they're doing a better job of routing, funneling more targets towards their top three receivers. And you got all these guys you got to focus on. And honestly, he's been getting touchdowns, and that's what you want in non PPR. And Cup hasn't been, so I'm <clears throat> I'm just gonna go with the guy who's six foot five has, has great hands. Tom Brady trusts him in the end zone and he's getting basically end zone looks almost every single week. I'm going to go Mike Evans. And the last one PPR, it is Brandon cooks or Antonio Brown. So Brown in his first game of having uh, more snaps than basically nothing, eight targets, seven catches, 69 yards uh, in a PPR in a half point PPR league. That's 10 points in my league. And it's probably 13, 14 in a full point PPR league. It's interesting. There's a lot of mouths to feed in the Tampa Bay offense, but when he threw the ball to Antonio Brown, he caught it. Um, Brandon Cooks has been better than people probably think this year in Houston. He's been getting a lot of targets, and he's he's built a really good rapport with Deshaun Watson. So some of this might be, a, you know, who they're playing on defense. New England's been hit or miss defensively, and then who is Tampa playing this week? I don't even – I don't see it. Uh, Tampa's playing the They're Rams. Playing LA. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the Rams have been a little. They're top five against wide receivers. Inconsistent this year defensively, but have good players. I'll probably go with Brandon Cooks on this one. Plus, they'll see more of the field. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just remembering what Brandon Cooks was like um, when Bill O'Brien was there. Because when Bill O'Brien was there, he was really frustrating those first four weeks. And then I think there was a little bit of a transition there, like a week or two after that, that he might have been frustrating. But ever since then, he basically every other week is out targeting Fuller. And so you're looking at a guy who I think has a safe target floor at seven and can easily get up there in the double-digit targets. And you're right, uh, a defense in New England. That's, I mean, they're getting Stephen Gilmore back, but I, I think they've been, they're just, they lost so many guys to guys not coming and playing this season that they're just not the New England defense that we're used to seeing. And I'm not afraid of them. So I fire up Brandon Cooks this week. All right. That's it, Jesse. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll be out next week, but Rashad and Joe will be here with you for the next Fantasy Scramble. All right. Have a good uh, week. Looking forward to it. Hey, you take care. All right, coming up next, let's wrap up our Blazers talk before we get to Ducks and Beeves in hour number two. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. All right, final segment in the first hour, which, of course, we went long because fantasy always goes long. Wrapping up our thoughts on the Blazers before we get into the actual football of the weekend. Ducks, Beeves wins yesterday. We'll have hate it or love it. And we got to talk about Taysom Hill getting start in New Orleans as well. That's all coming up in hour number two. Rashad is out today. He'll be back next week. So it is Joe and I holding down the fort. We discussed Mello being brought back, Rodney Hood being brought back, and Derek Jones being signed. The trades the Blazers made included the one that happened early in the week where they acquired Robert Covington for Houston for Trevor Ariza and the 16th overall pick 
in this year's draft. Uh, that pick and Trevor Reza, by the way, were traded again immediately. <laughs> I believe Trevor Reza was then traded again. I think he's on his like fourth team in the last week. So uh, clearly nobody valuing Trevor Ariza. So that was, a, frankly, a pretty good trade for the Blazers to get Robert Covington in. Um, I think he is the jewel of this free agent class, personally, slash offseason, because of what he brings to the floor is exactly what the Blazers have been missing, a true 3 and D guy. I know it's very generic to say that, but he plays really good defense. He plays multiple positions on the floor. He even played the five when he was uh, in Houston when they did their small ball lineup, so he can defend anybody, and he can shoot the three. He hasn't been uh, deadly from three-point range in his career, but he's shown he can hit the three at a good clip, and he goes on hot streaks as well. I just think this was this was such the perfect move for what this team needed, and it was the first move that Olshay made, so I was very happy with uh, with that or with that trade. Yeah, that was uh, once you saw that move happen, and like you said, it was the first one. It kind of got you a little perked up, like, oh, 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 they're going for it. Okay. All right. I'd like to see that. And then they've just added to it and made you even more encouraged about what they've done this offseason, adding depth and defense. And yeah, so that was a great first start to seeing the Blazers make that move. And you're like, oh, okay. They're, they're, they might be serious this time around in the offseason. And again, as we look at it with all the players now, Covington, Collins, Mello, Hood, Derek Jones, and Harry Giles, who we haven't mentioned yet, signed a one-year deal today. Remember, he was the guy that the Blazers drafted when they traded up to get Zach Collins. They were also interested in Harry Giles. So it's kind of one of those old Shea moves where he goes and gets his guy after years of not having his guy. Uh, he's just a one-year deal. He's a center. He's young. He's had knee injuries, but he's got a lot of potential. You've got so many options in the front court now, which in one, one way, I guess, could be construed as negative because it's like, well, who do you play? Who do you know was the right guy to play in the right situation? But, I mean, they always say it's super, super generic, but it's a good problem to have. If you get guys who go down with injury, which the Blazers have had in recent years and have been completely screwed because of it, now you've got guys who are good options to fill in those roles. Uh, Ennis Cantor, by the way, also uh, brought in a trade, and all you had to give up was Mario Hazonia. Okay. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> you get Ennis Cantor back to be your backup center, and it worked so well in the year the Blazers made the Western Conference Finals. And remember how well Cantor played through injury in those playoffs when Nurk was hurt, and Cantor just dominated. He was really good. He's not good defensively. We all know that. We saw him be bad defending the pick and roll, which is not good. But for a bench center to come in and get you like 10 and 6 every game, Sign me up. Yeah. Absolutely. They they don't make that Western Conference Finals without NS Cantor. No. And remember, he played through multiple injuries. Right. Shoulder he injury. Was, he was yeah. just gutting it through. Yeah. So you got options now. The team is loaded with options. It's not the flashy move that I really wanted. I really wanted them to take a big swing. I wanted them to go in and try to make a trade for a really, really big piece. And I don't care if that meant trading CJ. I don't care if that meant trading Collins, but deep down, I knew Olshay would never do that. That's not the way Olshay operates. That's he, he really loves his own guys. Um, you know, I joked about the Giannis stuff because Damian Lillard tweeted the, you know, hands up emojis when, when the guy asked for Giannis to go to Portland. Uh, my only question is this, everything that Woj has tweeted and you know, Woj is basically the mouthpiece for Olshay in these things when, the, when he, or for any of the GMs, when he gives his little, this is a good move for this. And it's been a lot of the other reporters as well. They're all saying that Robert Covington is a power forward. He can play the four, but I don't view him as a four. I view him as a three. They also said Carmelo Anthony is a four, which we obviously we saw him play last year, but that's not his natural position either. It can mean one of two things to me. A, Zach might take longer to get back and be healthy or B, are they exploring trying to trade Zach Collins? Which I'd be okay with because he does have some value. He's a young guy that teams might be interested in. Why is everybody saying these guys are fours? When you have, supposedly, you're starting four. And if you don't consider Collins a four anymore, then you have Nurkic, Cantor, Collins, and Giles at center. That's too many guys for the center position. So what's going on with that? There's there's something fishy going on with that. Maybe it's completely innocent, but all of the reporters are saying these are fours, which means Olshay is saying they're fours. So then what is the plan with Zach Collins? I'm curious what you think, Joe, because I, I, I feel like it could mean anything, but I kind of feel like it means they're trying to trade him. Well, I when I think of Covington, 
I don't think of him as a four. I see him more as a small forward. I mean, mm-hmm. Harry Giles, I guess you could say, could play the four. He's 6'10". He's a bigger guy, so you could have him play some minutes there. But, yeah, Carmelo, while he is taller, a little bit thicker, um, I don't. I see him struggling defending power forwards. He's good against small forwards, but, I mean, you get him matched up against some of those taller, lankier power forwards. I just don't see him having the athleticism to – match up against them even when they have longer reach i mean these six ten guys it's just mellow i don't think it's going to be matching up defensively quite well at the four just depends on what lineups you're getting obviously if you got a team running small ball you've got them uh, a guy similarly sized at power forward or like you said i mean covington he was running center with houston sometimes so all depends on matchups who's out of there on the court that you're facing because yeah technically you could have mellow robert covington um Derek Jones all running the four. So just really what does it mean for Collins, though? I mean, if if Collins is the foundational pillar that old Shea likes to like to trumpet when he came into the league. And I know he's coming back from the injury, but all signs are pointing to him being back on time. That's too many mouths to feed. True. And you have to develop Collins. You have to. If you're actually going to try to make him a viable part of your team, you have to develop him. Well, and that's where I guess you just see where this season starts to head because you had a guy like Kent Bazemore and you thought he would be a 3 and D guy, athletic for your small forward position. And before you knew it, he was gone. So I guess you just got to play this thing out for a few weeks, months, see how everything works out, who fits well. And then some of these guys might be expendable by the trade deadline. Also, just a key thought here again, Collins, questions. Giles is a more athletic frontline alternative and fits younger team timeline with Trent Simons little Collins not mentioned at all in the Woj tweet. It just seems strange. It is. That's all because you know, that's from Olshay. You know, it is. That's not Woj's opinion. That's Olshay right there talking to us through Woj. Collins is not mentioned once. Why? I don't know. I'm just very curious about it. Hour two is coming up. We got to talk about the Ducks win. We got to talk about the Beavs win. We got Taysom Hill starting for the Saints and hate it or love it all coming up in hour two. This is Football Sunday on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.